0: You're listening to the weekly sermon of Huntersville Presbyterian Church. We're so glad that you're here and hope that through listening to God's word, you will come away refreshed and renewed for what life has to bring you this week. Here's this week's sermon. Um, Just again, just glad glad everybody's here. If you were here last week, uh, you might remember I started the message by by asking you a question. And the question was, was this... Do you ever have those kind of points in your life where you just sort of feel like, God, I just thought I'd be further along than I am right now. thought I'd have more things figured out. thought I'd you know, be a little more mature, or settled, or whatever it might be. I just thought I'd be further along than I am right now. We talked about that last week. And, and if you were here, remember, this is the good news. It's simply this. Um, if you ever feel like you're not as far along as you should be, that's okay because you're not. But you're still a work in progress. God is not done with you yet. And and God has promised that, that he is going to finish the work that he has begun in you and work in me. But we are still works in process. And it's possible for God to continue that work because the power of sin and the power of death and the power of an enemy, and there is this enemy and the, the accuser, that's the, the Hebrew word for accuser is the Satan. There is this enemy who just wants to kill and destroy and steal all the joy and life from us. The, the power of sin, the power of death, the power of the enemy, it's all been finished on the cross. That's what Jesus did on the cross. And the enemy has been disarmed and sin is finished and death is finished. It's all finished on the cross. The one thing that isn't finished is you and me. We're we're not finished. We are still works in progress. And God is still in the process of changing us from from who we were and and making us new in Him. And and in a way, uh, that's what we're going to focus on today. So, So when you think about being made new, being made new. Let me ask you another question, kind of similar to the one I asked last week. If there was one thing about yourself that you could change, what would you change? Not one thing about the person sitting next to you that you would change. Um, That one's easy. Uh, But if there, you know, if there was something about you that you could change, what is it that you could change? What is it about you that you would love for God to make new. Don't shout it out, please. Um, but, but think about it for a moment. If, if there was one thing about you that you could change, what, what would you change? Now there's some things about you that are really easy to change. If uh, you decide you want to make a change in your hairstyle uh, or your hair color, that, that's pretty easy to do. We can do that pretty quickly. I, I, said, I got my hair cut last Friday and I was sitting there and there was a guy behind me who had made the decision to just go ahead and own it and go bald. And so the uh, woman's cutting my hair and I'm just watching in the mirror the whole time as, a woman, as I'm watching the chair behind me and they're just going, Vroom, I mean, just... That's a bold move, um, but he made it. So, you, you want to change your hairstyle? I mean, we can do that. We can make that change. You want to change your hair color? I mean, you know, I, I got kids. I have no idea what their hair color is today. Um, you, you, that's easy to do. If you want to make a change in your, you know, kind of your shape, kind of feel like I want to be in better shape than I am now, I mean, we can make that change too. I mean, it may take longer. Might, might take a little more effort, but that kind of change is possible. It's easy to change. And then there are things about you that you can't change. They're impossible to, there are things that are impossible to change. Uh, it's just the way you were born. Uh, years ago, a friend of mine, a, a pastor friend of mine, uh, he had finished his sermon, and he was talking to people after the church, and this woman comes up to him after, after church, and she goes, you know, you, you have the potential to be an exceptional preacher. Now, hold on. If you were taller. And my, my friend, he's kind of, a vertically challenged is a nice way to say it and uh, he's in his 40s now he's unlikely to experience a growth spurt you know any any time soon and uh you know so take that home with you this is why preachers don't like to stand at the door sometimes <laughs> because you get comments like that and uh i mean there's nothing he's going to do getting taller is not possible for him there are things about you that it's just the way you were born and it's not going to change but then there are those things that can change, but we've convinced ourselves they're not possible. A lot of times we do this with other people, and it shows up in the way we think about them or the way that we might talk about them. And chances are, you've said this or you've heard someone say this. Oh, that's just the way she is. She's never going she's always been that way. She's never going to change. Or, you know, he, he's, that, that's just who he is. Might as well accept it. And then because we grew up in the South and our mamas taught us this, we try to be polite and we go, bless his heart. You know, you know, you know what I mean? And we just kind of imagine that's who they are. That's never going to change. But we don't just do it about other people. We'll, we'll do it to ourselves as well. And, and chances are there, there's something in your life that somewhere along the way you, you've just kind of told yourself, yeah, I'm, I'm probably not going to change. I mean, I'm never going to break this habit. I, I'm, I'm never going to get any better. I, I'm always going to be this way. I mean, might as well give up, might as well quit trying. I, I mean, it's. Um, nothing's going to change and I am not going to change and, and we start to believe that and, and usually it's because we begin to buy into the lies of this enemy who again only wants to kill and steal and destroy and he loves to tell you lies about who God is and who you are and what it is that will make you happy and, and we buy into those lies and we just start to think I am never going to change and I just need to tell you today, and somebody in this room needs to hear this, that's not true. That, that's the lie of the enemy. The, the God who created you, the God who loves you, I mean, this is what we focused on last week. He has promised to finish the work that he has begun in you. And when you get to the very last book of the Bible, and we're going to get there in December, when you get to the very last book of the Bible, Jesus announces, Jesus says, Behold, I am making everything, what? New. And that everything, that that includes you and me. Jesus promises to make everything new. Change change isn't just possible. Change is promised. And the first sign of that promise, kind of the guarantee of it, is what, as Mike said when he did the call to worship, it's what we celebrate every Sunday, but what we really celebrate on Easter Sunday is what happened on that first Easter morning, what happened on the third day after Jesus was crucified. So if you've been with us this year, we're making our way through the entire Bible, uh, Genesis to Revelation. Uh, that means we had Christmas in July. And now we're having Easter in September. And uh, last week we focused on Good Friday. We f- focused on the cross, on, on what happened in Jesus' crucifixion. And today is the third day. Today we now focus on what happened three days after that, on that first Easter Sunday, on his resurrection. And... Um, and we're going to kind of focus on that, that idea of it being the third day, and, and that was language that Jesus used. And I'll, you'll see in a little bit, It's language is kind of throughout the Bible. When uh, when Jesus was uh, uh, before he, he they went to Jerusalem, before he gets arrested and beaten and crucified, and before any of it takes place, Jesus had predicted all this. I mean, he had told his followers, he had told his friends, "Hey guys, here's what's going to happen. I mean, we're going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to get handed over, and you know, all, all this is going to take place." And apparently, no one was listening. Um, because on Easter morning, I say this every Easter Easter morning, nobody was kind of there waiting for the resurrection. Instead, all of you all know the story, a group of women go to the tomb, and they're just going there to finish anointing the body for burial. And and they get there, and they they find the stone's been rolled away. And uh, a doctor, a a doctor named Luke, who wrote down one of the accounts of Jesus' life, uh, Luke says, here's what happened. He interviewed people to see what happened. And Luke said, here's what happened. Uh, The women are met by two angels. And the angels remind them, he, Jesus, he is not here. He has risen. Someone say amen. usually say that on Easter. Actually, you say he has risen indeed. Um, he is not here. He has risen. He risen yeah, we'll do that better at the end. Okay. Um, and then they go, remember he told you. Come on, guys, remember? Remember? He told you. Back when you were in Galilee, when, when he was still with you. He said, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners. Be crucified, and on the what day? Third day, day. good. Y'all stay awake with me. On the third day, be raised again. And then they went, oh, yeah, okay, I forgot. Then they remembered his words. Uh, Here's the thought I want you to take home today, just one thought. I want you to keep this and take home with you. On the third day, love made all things new. On the third day, love made all things new. I didn't make that into a slide, but you can say that with me. On the third day, love made all things new. Um, another question for you. I, don't know, I just feel like asking questions lately. Uh, how many of you made any mistakes last week? Anybody? Anybody make any mistakes? And just, you know, anything. You know, maybe you kind of messed up a project at work, you know, or forgot to do your homework, got in a fight with a friend, lost your temper. Uh, Anybody eaten anything you shouldn't have eaten or watched something on TV you shouldn't have watched? You know, Doug, don't raise two hands. Uh, uh, You know, uh, spent money you shouldn't have spent. Anybody said something you wish you hadn't have said or didn't speak up when maybe you should have? Anybody? Confession's good for the soul. Anybody make any mistakes last week? Yeah. Those of you who are not raising your hands, Lying's a mistake, too, so, I mean, that's okay. That, that's okay. Um, listen, we, we all do. This is us. This is who we are. We make mistakes, we, we, we don't always get it right. Not sometimes. It's all the time. We trip, we stumble, we fall. We try to be good, and then we fall, you know, fall back again. We're always needing this new beginning. We're, we're, we're always needing new beginnings. And, and, and if we're really something, it's not just last week. I mean, it's last year. Or, or maybe for some of us been the last couple of years. And and we've just done things we know we shouldn't have done and we've made mistakes that we wish we could we just wish we could undo. And and we've said things we can't take back and, and there are times we should have we should you know we should have spoken up. And, and and we know because of things we've done, we've hurt other people, we've hurt ourselves, we've we've disappointed ourselves, you know, in some ways and we maybe you missed an opportunity or maybe you just failed miserably at something. But we all, we, we, I mean, we all do it. I mean, it's just part of life. And, and, and what we all need is a new beginning. On the third day, love makes all things new. Say it with me. On the third day, love makes all things new. And it's kind of interesting. If you read through the entire Bible, and, and some of us are doing that together this year. We're reading through the whole Bible and started back in January and uh, we we're almost out of the Old Testament. And uh, you, you love Daniel this week, Right. Because uh, that, that's clear as mud, uh, a lot of Daniel, and uh, but it's interesting, and maybe you notice this. There's this pattern about three days that shows up throughout the Bible, and uh, and, and maybe if you've been reading through it, uh, you've, you've picked up on that. This this third day, third day sort of pattern. Very first book of the Bible is Book of Genesis, and, and we're introduced as this hero, kind of one of the first heroes of the Bible, a guy named Joseph. And, and Joseph winds up in prison, and along there in prison with him is the Pharaoh's cupbearer. Joseph's in Egypt, so there's a Pharaoh. And, um, and Joseph says to the cupbearer, he says, in, in how many days? In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your job. Uh, years later, generations later, the whole nation of Israel is now in Egypt, and, and they're in slavery, and God raises up this leader named Moses, and, uh, and Moses goes to the Pharaoh, and he makes this request. He says, let us go, how many days? Three days, three days into the wilderness. Can we go three days into the wilderness to worship our God? And then, uh, eventually, a long, long story, we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the Seder, uh, that uh, they, they get delivered out of Egypt, and they're in the wilderness now, making their way toward the promised land, and and they come to Mount Sinai where God's going to meet them and give them commands for life. And God says, as as they get to Mount Sinai, uh, God says, consecrate the people and make them ready by the which day? Because on that day, the Lord will come down. And on the morning of the what day? On the morning of the third day, it came to pass and God came down and there's an earthquake and there was thunder and I mean, just all the power of God right there. Uh, But even with all of that, the people of Israel, they're afraid to go into the promised land. There are giants there. They don't know what's going to happen. And um, and so God comes to another leader, Joshua, and and God says, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. How many days from now? Three days days from now, you will come to cross the Jordan to possess the land the Lord has given you. Land he promised to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, land you've been waiting for. Three days. You're going to enter it. Uh, there's an Old Testament prophet named Hosea. Uh, and Hosea kind of captures a lot of it this way. I, lo- I love the way Hosea said it. Uh, it's Hosea 6. He says, come, let us return to the Lord. After two days, he'll revive us. On the which day? Third. On the third day, he'll restore us so that we might live in his presence. This idea of the third day, the third day, the third day. And those are just some There are other examples I mean, it shows up again and again in the Old Testament. And so the people kind of started to think of the, they started to use that language, you know, almost just like shorthand. Uh, This is how long you wait for deliverance. You wait three days. Three days. Third day. Third day, God's going to do something big. Kind of became this pattern, this thing that they expected. One of the most familiar stories they told uh, about a third day was about a a guy named Jonah. Y'all know Jonah's story? Jesus loved Jonah. In fact, Jesus identified himself with Jonah's story. Uh, on one occasion, Jesus was uh, being confronted by the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees. And, and we've talked about this for weeks now. Uh, Jesus was always getting in trouble with them because he wouldn't follow their rules. And he wouldn't, you know, kind of continue their traditions. And there's a real threat to their power and their way of doing things. And so on one occasion, they come to him to kind of challenge him, and, and they demand that he perform a miracle for them. Uh, one of Jesus' disciples, Matthew, used to be a tax collector, Matthew said it this way. He said, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law, they came and they said to him, Jesus, teacher, we want a sign from you. We want a miracle. And Jesus answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jesus. What's his name? Jonah. I'm just making sure you're still with me, all right? Except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jesus says, I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah. Now, Jonah, I, I've always loved Jonah because I think Jonah's a guy that we can relate to. Uh, God comes to Jonah, and he says, hey, hey Jonah, I, I, got a, I, got a, I got some work for you to do. I got a mission. I, I got something I need you to do for, for the kingdom. There's this city, Nineveh. And, uh, and the people there have gotten so wicked. And so, Jonah, I need you to go there, and I need you to tell those people, unless they repent, I'm just going to wipe them off the face of the earth. Well, N- Nineveh, and you, you pick this up a lot in the Old Testament, and uh, some of y'all may have seen this again. Uh, Nineveh had, I mean, Nineveh was a very, very dangerous place. It's not the kind of place you wanted to go. And so, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. And so Joseph decides, I'll just run away from God because that always works out. You'll have to figure that out, right? And, uh, and so Jonah says, I'll just run away from God. And so Nineveh's, you know, over here. I'm going to get on a boat that's going over here and I'll get as far away from God as I possibly can. You know, some of y'all know the story. So Jonah gets on the boat and he's trying to run away from God and he can't run from God. And so God sends this storm and the storm is threatening to sink the boat and the sailors on the boat, they figure out that Jonah's the problem. And, uh, and so you know what they did? What did they do? They threw him overboard. And they go, yeah, we fixed fix this. And they threw him overboard. And, and if you know Jonah's story, he gets swallowed by, the a, a Bible says, a giant fish, or maybe a whale. Anybody want to guess how long he's in the belly of the whale? How many days? There you go. Yeah, man, this is a bright crowd today. Okay. Um, in the belly of the whale, three days. I, I read this a while back. Uh, back in the 1800s, you know, when whaling ships were a big deal? A sailor fell overboard on a whaling ship, got literally swallowed by a whale, records accounts of this. A few days later, the, that ship captured that whale, and when they cut him open, they found that sailor inside, and he was still barely, but he was still alive. Barely alive, but still alive. And if you can kind of picture this, b- because he'd been in the stomach acid of the whale, completely bleached white. Everything about him. So just kind of picture that. In Jonah's story, we're told that after three days in the belly of the whale, the whale vomited him up. That's in the Bible, so it sounds gross, but that's what it says. It says the whale vomited up on the beach. And I always just kind of picture that now thinking, so here he is, all bleached out, all worn out. And maybe wondering if he's also missed out. That, that you know, he, he, he's run from God didn't want to be a part of God's plans. Mess, he's just messed up. And has and, he now missed out on, on what God wanted for his life? And this is my favorite part of Jonah's story. And I think it's some of the most beautiful words in the Bible. God comes to Jonah. I love the way he says it in Jonah 3. Sends in the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it the message I gave you. God gives Jonah a new beginning. It's just a, a, another chance. And, and I think we're like Jonah. I think sometimes we wonder. You know, I'm, I'm never going to break this habit. I'm never going to get any better. This wound's not going to heal. I'm never going to change. That's the lie of the enemy. God will always give you a new beginning. always give you a second chance. God loves to make things new. And, and that includes you and me. What God loves to do is to make things new. And Easter, Easter morning was the first sign of God making all things new again. Uh, one of my favorite authors and theologian is the uh, uh, Anglican, uh, British guy, Anglican, N.T. Wright. And, uh, and, and Wright says this about Easter, so what he, says, he goes, When Jesus rose again, God's whole new creation emerged from the tomb, introducing a world filled with new potential and possibility." And don't you wanna live in a world that's filled with potential and possibility? Don't you wanna live in a world that's filled with, with, with opportunity to make you new again, to change that part of you that you know deep down needs to be changed? It's possible because on the third day, love made all things new. And, and that includes you and me. You know, maybe you made mistakes along the way. And they feel really big and you messed up and you did. And, and maybe life's not just turning out the way that you thought it should or the way you, the way you had it planned. And, and, and some of that might be um, due to circumstances beyond your control, something someone else did, and some might be your fault. But it's not the end of the story. Because on the third day, love made all things new. And our God is, is he's the God of the third day. You see, the third day is when the prisoners of Pharaoh get set free. And the third day is when the people come to the mountain and the mountain shakes and thunders. And the third day is the day that God's people enter into the land and the future that he had promised for them. And the third day is the day that prophets get a second chance and, and uh, to start over again. And the third day is the day that the stone gets rolled away. And the third day is the day that a crucified carpenter defeated death and rose again as the first sign that what he did on the cross on Friday makes it possible for this world to be filled with promise and possibility and for you and for me to be made new. Because on the third day, love makes everything new. He's the God of the third day, and, and he's the God who loves you more than, than you can begin to imagine, because this lo- loves what brought him to the cross. And, and, and love is what held him there. And, and love, his love for you it, it, it's his love for you, just the way you are right now. You don't have to get cleaned up, you don't have to get it all fixed. I mean he loves you right now. But it's, it's his love for you that took him to the cross to, so, that, so that everything else is finished. And it says, "Love for you that will make you new." On the third day, love makes all things new. Uh, there's just great promise in the uh, in the New Testament, and uh, it's a letter written by one of the early leaders in the church, a guy named Paul. And uh, might open with a letter he wrote to church in Philippi today, and. Um, but Paul, I say this a lot, but I just want to always let it sink into your mind. I mean, Paul couldn't stand people who followed Jesus until he started following Jesus. And then he ends up writing most of the New Testament. But, but uh, Paul had, had knew what it was like to be this kind of person and then to have Jesus get hold of you and, uh, and become somebody completely different somebody knew, and so paul's writing to the church in corinth corinth was this real uh prosperous city uh, part of the roman empire in, in, in greece but uh paul writes to them and he says listen if, if anyone is in christ the new creation has come the old is gone and the new is here and paul I and mean, paul speaking firsthand experience Because Paul's been a guy who was doing everything he could to try to get rid of this this whole Jesus movement. we got to stop this thing before it gets, you know, going. It might change the world. And and then it changed Paul's world. And now Paul becomes this new creation in Christ. And he says, if anyone's in Christ, they can be a new creation too. And and this whole idea of of being in Christ, I mean, it's it's real simple. It's just real simple. It means to believe that what Jesus did on the cross was necessary. I mean, it was, it was necessary. I mean, it, it was something that we couldn't do for ourselves. There There's a, a price for our, our sin, our failure to be who God created us to be that we could never pay, and somebody had to pay it, and only God could. And, and so what Jesus did on the cross is necessary. To be in Christ is to believe it was necessary, but it also means to believe that it was sufficient. It's all that needed to be done. And there's nothing else that I have to do other than just accept it and and just to believe it. Because when I do, then I begin this relationship with Jesus that will change me. And and it won't happen as quick as the guy got his haircut the other day. But it'll change me from from the inside out as, as I get close to him. And and what I'll discover, uh, what what I'll discover is, is that Jesus offers me not just a way to defeat death and to live forever, which is awesome, which is really, really good. But Jesus, we talk about this all the time here, Jesus offers, also offers me this better way to live my life today. Better way to live and to love, a better way to give and forgive, a better way to be a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife or a friend. Or a kid or a parent, better way to manage my emotions, better way to manage my money. If you want to know a better way to manage your money, you got a great class starting up right after this, anyway. Um, Jesus offered me a better way to, to, to take who I was and, and to make me a new creation in Him. And, and I've got this guarantee. I mean, death's defeated, uh, Death's been swallowed up in victory. I mean the, the death is finished. But I'm not, and and, and God's at work constantly making me a new creation if I would just get close enough to him to experience him. That's the gift that Jesus offers to to you and to me. And so let let me invite you to do this. We. All you got to do is receive the gift. And, and some of you have been around church for a while, and you think, oh, uh, sometimes we receive the gift, but we, we kind of receive it like this. Oh, thank you so much. And then we kind of put it on the shelf, and we don't use it. Y'all got gifts at home like that? Well, bring it out on special occasions. I use that gift Jesus gave me every Christmas and Easter, and, you know, when there's a, a Mother's Day, um, you know, high, high holy days. And um, the, uh, but we just kind of let it sit there. And, uh, and, 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 but maybe someone here has never received that gift at all. So wherever you kind of find yourself, wherever it might be, do this for me if you would. Just close your eyes again for a moment. And, and again, if you'd let yourself get really, really, really quiet, let the room get still. You know, I think back to the words of the song we sang a little while ago. You can hear the sound of his robes as he walks into the room. Because we're not alone. Our resurrected God has has promised to be right here with us. And if there's something about you that you know He needs to change, just lay that before Him. And, and, And trust that not only He can, but He will. And it may take time and it won't happen quickly or instantly. It can, but often it doesn't. But that you can become new creations in Him. Maybe it's a pattern in your life, a behavior, maybe it's an area of disobedience, and you just need to let go of it. That's possible, it can change. Uh, maybe it's an attitude of your heart, you know, an attitude towards somebody or or something, and uh, and you know it, it's it's uh it's not right, and your heart needs to change. It can, it really can. Where in your life do you need to be made new? Where do you need Jesus to come in and and with that resurrection power that's filling this world right now with potential and possibility and promise, where do you need to experience that power in your life today? It might be with a relationship. It might be... A pattern, again, a pattern in your life, but wherever it is, just lay it before him. Lord, you teach us that when we are in you, when we are in Christ, that we're new creations, the old is gone, and new life has begun. It's the day today we come before you, and some of us need a new beginning. For some of us, it's a new beginning for the very first time. For some of us, it just may be that our faith has grown kind of old and predictable and tired, and we need a new beginning. Lord, we trust that because of what you did on the cross, that the the enemy has been disarmed and sin has lost its power and death is defeated, and that the tomb is empty. And to us, that's a sign that new life has begun that you're in the process of recreating this sorry world into what it is right now, and you're restoring it to what it was in the beginning and what you have promised it will be when you make all things new. And, Lord, we rejoice that death is defeated, and so now life, life that is truly life, can begin. And we want to live into that life as your new creations. And so, Lord, come and do in us again what you have done from from the very beginning. Breathe life. and Make us new. We pray all of that, Lord Jesus. We pray it in your holy name. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Huntersville Presbyterian Church. Here at HBC, we believe that life is better with Jesus because Jesus makes us better at life. If you're looking for a church to call home, we would love to share his life with you. To learn more about us, or if you'd like to give online, visit huntersvilleprez.org.